This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for South City's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to southcities.church. Well done. Thank you. Well, we are missing some people today on the podcast, and we have other guests joining us that we're really happy about. So Ethan is going to jump in, but we have Rachel Divig has been drawn out of her cubicle to join us for the podcast this morning. Just once. (laughs) Welcome, Rachel. (laughs) So um, I don't have a super interesting random question, but I'm just wondering what is one of the funnest or best parts of your summer so far? It doesn't have to be the best, but something that you've enjoyed so far about summer. Um, it's been fun having Vienna do summer things for the first time, like putting her down in grass for the very first time, Mm -hmm. like putting her hands in it with (laughs) wide eyes. Like, what is this? (laughs) Random stuff like that. Yeah. Has she been to the beach yet? Yep. Okay. Yep. Been to the beach. That's been fun. Yeah. Um, we haven't done water yet. We still need to do water. Like get her feet in the lake or something. Mm-hmm. When you go next. up north, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Could do it then. Yeah. Otherwise, we're up at Lake Harriet a lot. Okay. So, could dunk her in there too. That's fun. <laughs> do you have anything that's coming to mind, Rachel? I wonder if it's already passed, if it was maybe my sibling trip to Galveston. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else really planned that would be that I can say, oh, this is going to be so fun. Yeah. Well, I asked like what has already happened so yep, far. And it has so that happened. Has happened for you. That sounds really fun. How Sibling about you? Trip. Hmm. Um or is it still to come? Well, I I enjoyed getting up north in the middle of June. Peter and I went up there for a weekend, so it's always a beautiful place to go to, to visit. The weather was lovely. So that's Where a did highlight. you go? Whereabouts? We were in Beaver Bay. Oh, okay. So did some hiking around there. Yeah. But more to come. We're only halfway through summer. Thank goodness. (laughs) So today, Rachel and I are going to be discussing a book that we enjoyed reading, I think, last summer. Mm -hmm. It came out, and we were asked to speak on the podcast about a book that we enjoyed And this is the one that we thought of. We thought it would be helpful to talk about together. And so the book is Find Your People by Jenny Allen. I think it came out last year. It did. It was brand new. Yeah. This was my first Jenny Allen book. Um, I've heard her speak before, but this is my first book of hers that I've read. And I found it really helpful. Um, The book is about finding your people, making friendships, as adults, which can be hard to do. And what I appreciated overall about the book is that she grounds things in the Bible, but then she gets very practical, Mm -hmm. but not in a way of like, you must do this, this, and this, like in a legalistic way, but she offers practical suggestions on how to actually pursue friendship instead of just helpful, you know, ideas about it. She helps you get practical. 
And I felt like even some of her things you can adjust for the introverts. That some of it you have to take in mind that yes. she maybe was speaking to extroverted people and you can just kind of tweak it a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what? why else did we want to talk about this book in particular? Do you, what would you say, Rachel? I would probably say because friendship is something that so many people struggle with once you get out of your teens and childhood, it is not the same Mm -hmm. adult friendships as what you've had as a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a lot harder. Life feels busier. You're working or you have family commitments. Even if you're single, you Mm -hmm. still have family commitments sometimes and other things that you're involved in. Your pets. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) You end up doing a lot of things. And then if you, um, have, you know, your own family of you're married with children. Mm -hmm. That seems to take up a lot of time and it's hard to know. How do you fit in friendships for yourself? I like how you said it seems to take up a lot of time. (laughs) It might. Well, it definitely does. Um, (laughs) How about you, Ethan? Has it taken up more time? No, no, not at all. With a baby? Do you feel like, though? It's been exactly the same. Hasn't changed a thing. Yep, you still see your friends just like you ever used to. (laughs) Yeah. And I think also we've heard from people, even in the church, that it can be hard to connect with people at church. There's a lot of events and things going on, and sometimes there's maybe the appearance of connection, but it's hard to go beneath the surface sometimes and really get to know people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that even when I first came here, it was hard to make friends and meet people that went beyond just an acquaintance of saying hi, besides serving. Being in the the media team on Sunday mornings mm. really made a difference, but for your just people in the pews, it can be difficult. Yeah. That's a good point right off the bat, though, that serving is a great way to get to know people. Yeah. So. Yeah, getting involved in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... That was a, a big part of Sarah's story. When we got married, she was at Berean with her family. When we got married and she came here, um, joining a small group was huge mm. for starting those relationships. Yeah, that's great. And we've also been hearing a lot about in, I think, our culture and the media that there is a loneliness epidemic. I think I mentioned this on other podcasts before um, that... I don't know if it was the Surgeon General or whoever, you know, medical expert in our country that they're they're saying there's a loneliness epidemic and it's actually bad for your mental health, physical health. Um, Relationships are what life is all about, what God wants for us, and we need each other. Um, So did you want to add in? There was a statistic, I think, that... Jenny shared in the book, or maybe you got this from somewhere else. I don't remember. That loneliness is as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That kind of hit home for me because when we've been having the air quality alert, when it was really bad, they said that was like an adult smoking, was that three to four, I think, and a child five to eight. Yeah. And this is 15 a day. Yeah. So I'm like, that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I don't know how they figured that out, <laughs> but 
It doesn't sound good. Um, so in the book, she, at the, during the introduction, she includes a list of some things that are helpful for identifying like, hmm, do I know who my people are? Or do I have people that I'm connected with? And she just threw out some practical things to think about who would you reach out to in these different scenarios just to get you thinking like, who are my people or do I have them? Um, and so some of them were, um, who would you call if you needed to be picked up at the airport? Um, if you are dealing with a difficult situation at work and you don't know who to talk it through with. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if anything good or hard is happening in your life, who do you want to share that with? Or do you have people that you can share that with? I liked the one from the list where she says, your family is broken and unhealthy when it seems everyone else is excited to be going home to see their parentheses, normal, happy, well-adjusted families at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So just helping, just off the bat in the book, she's just helping us look at um, what is the quality of our relationships that we have already. And then she moves into, in the book, kind of having these concentric circles of relationships. She has, you know, the outer circle are your acquaintances that you know mm-hmm. casually. Then you have, she calls them your your village. Um, and these are your friends. Um, and I don't remember if she had a range of people that are generally in that. Um, I can't remember. But then she has the inner circle are your close friends. And she said that the goal would be to have two to five people in that inner circle. And I found it interesting that it kind of went along with, even in Jesus's life and ministry, he had the 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. You could say those were his those were his friends or his village, as she's calling it. And then within the 12, he had three that he was closer with. Those were his close friends. And I think that that is an interesting model to use as we think about our relationships um, that we don't have to have the same depth of relationship with everyone. Um, and we don't need to be constantly evaluating our friendships and what category the category are they in, but they're just helpful to think through, do we need to be pursuing people more, you know, in friendship? Mm-hmm. Do we have a good network of people and community to live life with? I even remember, and I can't remember if it was from her book or something else we listed, talking about how you need more than just like one or two people because not every, not just one person can bear the burden of crisis or trial upon trial. And then you feel like I can't reach out to that person all the time because they've had to carry so many of my burdens. Mm -hmm. So two to five feels right for knowing that you still have a couple other close friends that you can reach out to. Mm -hmm. Just someone else is there, not just the one close friend. Yeah, yeah. And then she quotes a study from Psychology Today in which a researcher found that it took about 50 hours of interaction to move from acquaintance to casual friend, about 90 hours to move from casual friend to friend, and then more than 200 hours to qualify as a best friend. And, you know, whatever you want to say about that, but... Friendships take a lot of time, and I think that's the thing that 
can be hard in our society and culture that mm-hmm. we just live such busy lives that it's hard to actually invest the time that's needed to go deep with people and spend time with people. Yep. That did, that stood out to both of us mm-hmm. when we read this book, how 200 hours, that's a significant chunk that you need to give to that person yep. if yep. you want this to be a deep friendship. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't just leave us there kind of hanging like, hmm, well, what should we do about this? But then she does suggest some practical ways to go about looking for people that are already in our lives to pursue. And so we're going to just walk through what those suggestions are that she gave. And the first one is proximity. Who do you see most often and where? So who are the people that are already in your everyday life? Um, and as I was thinking about this from my own life, because there is a time element involved, it's been helpful to become friends with people that I work with because mm-hmm. I am already seeing them. If, if I am trying to be intentional about adding in friendship relationships outside of family and outside of work time, it's probably going to be hard to invest in those relationships too much because you're going to be adding in yep. time. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, people that you naturally see or even at church Hopefully, if you're interacting with them in different programs or events that we're a part of, that's just some of that time. You're already with those people. They're people in your proximity. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about what um, sociologists refer to as a third space, that it isn't your work and it isn't home. Mm-hmm. And where are these people and is there opportunities for some of them to become a friendship? Yep. Like during COVID, my third space was Target for grocery shopping. Yep, definitely. You see a couple of those people, those friendly faces, and I had one in particular that if she hadn't moved away after she got married, I think that could have been an actual friendship. You could talk about faith conversation came up over the course of our interactions each week and talked about her upcoming wedding. And it was like it was becoming a real relationship from seeing her every week. Mm-hmm. Yep. And our neighbors too, I want to say, mm-hmm. just probably it's harder in the winter in Minnesota, but in the summer when we're around our neighbors, they are in close proximity to us. Um, then the second thing she mentions is transparency. Who can you be yourself with? Um, who can you be real and open up with? Um, and Oh, she mentions a C.S. Lewis quote, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so it it does take a measure of um, risk to be vulnerable and open up to people. But that is the only way to start to allow an opportunity for a relationship to go deeper. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes that I liked that she had in this section was, tell people how to show up for you and let them express how you can show up for them. And I thought, I think sometimes we just can become mind thinking that people are mind readers. So we just expect, well, they didn't do this. So this isn't how I expected, but I liked that she encourages us to tell people. So then there aren't those expectations that were there and weren't met then. Mm -hmm. Then I think there's five practical points that she gives. The third one is accountability to others that she mentions 
who are you living close to that has permission to speak into your life? So the last point was about transparency, like us being open with, and this point is who do you give permission to be, you know, speak into your life then? Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is an important point that we want people speaking into our lives and we need that. Mm -hmm. And another quote she had was, when we are left unknown and unbothered, we become the worst version of ourselves. Ouch. That's what I thought. (laughs) Just don't bother me. But (laughs) yeah, I think that um, that is true. We see that in scripture that we need one another um, to help us understand ourselves better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has the fourth point is a shared purpose. Who is nearby you already working beside you? I feel like that kind of goes along with her proximity point, but who, like you mentioned earlier, Rachel, like who can you serve with? Who can you be joined in alongside of in doing something in some kind of shared mission or purpose? And mm-hmm. amazingly, we have that in the church. Well, it was um, even neat to see Monday we had these two ladies that were knitting and crocheting out on the the front lawn. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's it's sweet to see that people are finding things in common with other people in our church and then making time to just do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Even if it's just some a hobby that mm-hmm. you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then the last point that she gives is consistency. How do we spend regular time with people? Um, And that goes back to the point about the time that's needed for relationships to develop. We need that consistency as well because we all know that if we're not consistent and taking initiative, um, it's easy for relationships to just kind of taper off. And sometimes that's natural. It happens for a variety of reasons. But we also don't want to neglect our friendships that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And I liked that she paired this chapter with um, talking about the the enemy of consistency is conflict mm. and how that can be enough to make us think that we want to pull away from a friendship. And then she says that the closer we are to other people, the more our rough edges will scrape them. And I, th- I think that can be really frightening for some of us mm-hmm. that, oh boy, is this relationship safe? because we're in, which it may be something small yeah, or it could be something big and you immediately think, oh, this is, this is the end of this one. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think it helped that she almost like normalizes conflict that if you do know somebody and it's a deep, real relationship, it is going to be hard at times as you work through something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point that it should be expected to some extent Mm-hmm. I mean, and then I think we're going to just briefly touch on dangers to watch out for as we pursue relationships, but um, some measure of conflict is normal. Actually, if you didn't ever have conflict, that would probably be unhealthy in a way because somebody is probably catering too much maybe to the other person or seeking to please them. Um, I know I have tendencies that way of just wanting to be a people pleaser and um me too and so wanting to avoid conflict but sometimes you need conflict to work through things and then you end out on the other side actually with a stronger relationship and you two could probably say with being married and kids 
those are the closest people in your lives and there is going to be conflict that you have living day to day with them. Yep. Absolutely. And that's how we grow. Hopefully if we press through a measure of that, you know, we are hopefully coming out on the other side, better able to love the people Mm -hmm. that are around us. Um, but some, she does touch on at the end of the book, some dangers to watch out for because we're not saying at all costs, just pursue any one and every one. And, um, no matter how unhealthy something gets, just keep going for it. That's not what she's saying. And so, um, one that she points out right away is she uses the word codependency, a big fancy psychological word. Um, but basically means that one person's happiness is dependent on the other to a disproportionate level and looking for the other person to meet our needs instead of looking to God ultimately. And it is right to need other people in a sense and, um, and, you know, want their happiness. But if that becomes the ultimate thing, that's something that we can only receive from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it, it's putting then unfair expectations on the other person or on the relationship. Um, and then the other couple dangers that she mentioned are independence, busyness. I don't know if you want, if we want to say too much more about those, but like we've already said, our lives get busy and friendships take time. And so are we being intentional about scheduling things? I mean, it's not like before we had kids, right, Ethan, where, hey, we can just be super spontaneous. It might take a little bit more planning and effort, um, but are we building time for friendship in our schedule? And some of the things she talked about was like, who can you take along when you go get groceries or run your errands or who can come do this chore or task with you or just squeezing it in into your day-to-day living. You just did that for me. You tagged along <laughs> to help me do something that I needed to do and it just needed some moral support to do it. And it was just helpful. And um, and then yeah. it gave us a little time to chat as well. <laughs> yes. Um, and then she says, watch out for gossip and negativity. Um, it could be easy to just get together and like, let's just talk bad about other people and just kind of stew in that. And that's what our friendship is based on mm-hmm. instead of something encouraging or being centered on Christ. Um, and then the others are comparison, laziness, and fear. I think I'd just say something about comparison that I think for, especially women, mm-hmm. comparison can be a really tough thing. And I think with friendships, when you hear people talking about how deep or wonderful their friendships are and that they're with this person this night and saw this one last week and the week before and you hear some of these things it can be easy to say oh is that the standard of a friendship Mm -hmm. and I don't have enough people I don't do things this much and I think we just have to concentrate on the relationships we do have and that no two people are the same no two friendships are going to be the same either. Yep. And I think along with that, in all of this, people are wired differently. Some people Mm -hmm. are more natural extroverts or introverts or have bigger capacities for relationships and people just being in their lives than other people do. And that's okay. We're Mm -hmm. not, we don't all have to be the same. Um, But I think just the focus and intentionality behind pursuing relationships and having community that she addressed in this book, I find helpful and needed 
in our culture today. Mm-hmm. And so just to close, um, she wraps up by pointing us to the perfect friend in Jesus. She says, our very dearest friend is Jesus. And he is the perfect friend because obviously he is perfect and sinless and is always faithful, always trustworthy, um, always does what is best for us and we can Mm -hmm. always go to him. He's always available. Um, But he really needs to be um, our, our deepest friend, I guess that um, he knows us better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And um, we just can't expect other people to be the savior for us. And so um, it was a good, I thought it was a good way to close of like, he is the perfect friend. And I think having it end that way felt like, okay, even if you're at a point where you don't have the friendships that you would want, mm-hmm. Jenny points us back to the friendship that we all do have as believers. Yep. And for myself, I know that there are book book lovers like the two of us. I read this book that was brand new this spring called Beholding, and it was about that, that our your prayer life with Jesus is a relationship, it's a friendship, and how it's just different different than maybe having a human person here. But this author was trying to help us see that it's just another friendship and encouraging ways to grow in that relationship. Yep. Well, that is what we have to say about the book Find Your People. We would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um she has practical suggestions at the end of each chapter to try out and, you know, in prayer, in waiting on the Lord to pursue friendships in the church, outside of the church. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and being brave. And I hope you join us again on the podcast. Thanks for having me, friends. Thank you. Thank you.